the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What makes Rose Cleaners the best in dry cleaning? They do my laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for, and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service, and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in, and um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Hi, I'm Eric Galindo Training Director for the FSI Training School For individuals and businesses we offer certification courses in CPR and First Aid through the American Heart Association and also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible, have fun, and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture Reading Program. Weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the past week's Bible Live readings. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. All right, we are here indeed. Thank you for joining us tonight. This is the Bible Live, the quiz show, the chance you have to 
answer some questions from our Bible readings each and every week as we make our way through the Scriptures. This is our 15th year. What do you think about that, Jacob? 15 years of reading through the Bible. You'd think we'd, we'd know a little bit about it by now, right? Well, I think so. Can you hear me? I can hear you just fine here in the studio, but I don't know if I can hear you through your head, through your microphone. Okay, well, I'm trying to look over at that reader over there. Can you see me talking on there? Um, yeah, I see the meter move. Oh, okay. Then I'm Speak, on. get real close to your mic. Maybe that'll... Real close to my mic. In fact, we're going to have a relationship. <laughs> Maybe John can come help us make this right, but we want to make sure that you're potted up and good, strong. All right. Well, then we'll, uh, our listeners will let us know, too. If they don't hear you, they don't really care that much if they hear me. But, boy, when they don't hear you, it, all of a sudden, it all kind of comes unglued. That's People really... They want to make sure and hear you exactly right. Well, we are uh, in the Christmas season now, so we're going to be talking a little about that. Some of our music will be what we call Christmas music, uh, built around the theme of this incredible moment in time and space in human history when God himself, it is said in the scriptures, God himself actually uh, limited, voluntarily left off and limited his own uh, his prerogatives, his divine initiatives, his uh, authority, and his, um, well, his, uh, not his authority, he still had the authority, but he relinquished that voluntarily to live under the, under the yoke of humanity, the life that we, that we share as human beings. Uh, the infinite became finite, finite, the eternal took on uh, the temporal. And uh, we, it's an incredible thing, this 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 story that comes to us. Do me a favor? Sure, I'm not... That sentence you just said. Remember that sentence in just a moment. Which one was that? Oh, you can't hear me. You know, I, I'm just barely... I'm, I don't know if John can help us or not, but I don't hear Jacob very much through my headphones. Does that mean, John, that he's not going out... Does that mean he's not going out on the air that much as well? So um, I just want to, I don't hear Jacob at all through my headphones. Um, maybe, I don't know, the signal there is, looks like he's going out. Maybe one of our listeners will call and tell us, is he, uh, you're hearing Jacob all right? Going out, we want to make sure that you are. Well, we're coming on the Christmas season. We're talking about this incredible moment uh, in time, and that it, it has far-reaching consequences for us. Uh, that's all we talk about here on the Bible Live. Is this this biblical worldview? There you go. Jacob is now. Can you hear me now? Sir? Now I can hear you. Okay, I'm not even doing a cell phone commercial. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. That's and I can see you exactly well. You're talking, and I see the needle moving. Thank. Thank you, John, for solving that for us. Thank you, John. We are uh, we're going to talk about uh, the book of Exodus tonight. That's where we are: Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and then we'll move just time for the Christmas Day. We'll be moving back to the um, the book of Matthew. We'll be picking up with the birth of Messiah, the birth of Jesus in uh, Bethlehem. Let me see. Let me make sure. Where we are, we'll be... Um, We're going to finish Exodus tonight. If we finish Exodus tonight, we go right on into the book of Leviticus. Okay, but are you going to do your Christmas show next Sunday night? Uh, well, yeah, every show we... Had, oh, on the 25th, actually, the December 25th itself. You mean December 25th we'll is a Matthew, Sunday? Matthew chapters 1 through oh. 1, 1. No, no, that week, that week, oh, we'll oh. read the uh, the Christmas story. And then on that Sunday, the um, the 28th, 
Oh, we will be, of course, talking more about uh-huh. that historic that event, what happened, its significance. You know, how did it work? You know, how how is it that infinite, almighty, sovereign God of the universe came and and actually became a man? Do you, do you remember the old um, what? There used to be an old ketchup commercial. Maybe it was Hunt's Ketchup. I think it was. Do you remember that commercial? I mean, this is dating me. I'm going way back in television, but it was one of the early. <laughs> like that? I liked it. Yeah, that was it. That was it. It had a bottle yeah. sitting on a desk. Yeah, I just did the sound effect. Yeah. And it had a tomato sitting yeah. on top. Uh-huh. And it would talk about Hunt's Ketchup, and all I of a sudden, think boom, you, better, you, you, better know, think, you better think this entire symbol through before you continue about the birth scenario. Oh, I know. I'm not trying to. It doesn't. It's not complete in all of its details. I'm just saying that for me, uh, a, you know, a young person, a small child even at the time, watching that TV commercial, I kept thinking, good lens, how did they do that? This was the early days, folks, of television and special effects. Uh-huh. And I thought, how did they do that? How did they get that tomato to go down into that that tomato, uh, that ketchup jar? That's just astounding. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I've always kind of had that fascination with how did that happen? How did they do that? Of course, later on, I understand about uh, special effects and yeah. you know and, yeah. and things uh, that they uh, show you. Uh, but I always not, not wondered that, as well about God. Yeah. How did... Yeah. How did and God? Not that I'm not encouraging this, but exactly what does that have to do with the Christmas show? Well, it has to do with my question about this moment when the Creator God, the Creator of the universe, the infinite, you know, eternal God, came down and actually got in the into the bottle. And you said, and he got in a ketchup bottle. He became a man. Oh, yeah, how does that? How does that work? You know, in, in any real sense, how does God actually become a man? And, and yet, that's what we're told. That's that seems well, to actually, be. Actually, the, there is something that is one of your questions tonight that actually kind of addresses some of that thought. Okay, which question was it? Uh, well, I don't want to do it first. Okay, uh, we don't do it first. It's so. The one where you're talking about uh, God putting a spirit into the people told how to build the ark. Okay, excellent. Well, we'll, we'll maybe we'll get a chance to oh, visit well, that, that question. Oh, that is one of the questions I've All got. right. So uh, I'll give some questions out from the Psalms, ah, and chapters right 18 here. through 22, and then you'll give some questions out from the book of Exodus. Uh-huh. And uh, maybe maybe we got one question, at least, from the book of Leviticus. We read chapter 1, uh, just verses 1 through 17. We just barely get into the book of Leviticus, uh, which with the great theme of worship. Uh, the, the great theme of Leviticus is, of course, you have uh, the 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 uh, priestly uh, directives, uh, the the directions for Aaron and the priesthood, and so on, and the in the, the uh, tabernacle, the furnishings, and so on, and the design and the instructions about worship. But uh, but the big theme is how do we as human beings, how do we adequately and properly uh, worship God and worship that would be acceptable uh, to him? And so we can, th- that's a great theme we can address as we move through the book of Le- Leviticus. You know, the, the word worship basically in Hebrew is the word avodah. Which means? It actually is a word for the same word as service. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I like in, in uh, Latin, Coming from the Latin, of course, into the, like, for example, Spanish or French, uh-huh. it, it, it comes, it's translated into the word ador, adoro, okay. to adore. Uh, and I, I like that as well. It, it's, uh, it has that sense of, you know, you know, 
Lord, I adore you. I, I admire you. I worship you. I, I just think great thoughts about you in, in, uh, in the idea of worship. And, and, of course, that's one of the great themes that we can talk about is how, are we truly, when you go to your church, you go to your synagogue, you go to your place of worship, are we having a genuine experience of worship? Uh, are we genuinely meeting with God? Is God, um, in a sense, pleased with our... You know something, our... Soapy? You have hit on one of the special questions. I've actually got that as listed as my second question from your list of questions. All right. Because, see, actually, you and your, yours put together the questions, and you allow yeah, me to yeah, pick yeah. among your questions. Somehow, Jacob, the brilliance just seems to shine through. I don't know. Uh, I try to cover it. You know, well, I you try do. to... In all modesty and humility, I try to put, cover it, but... Uh, I, it, it Thirty-five just, to fifty. Questions. I mean, the, the genius—it just shows. I don't. I well, don't know. anyway, but that is actually what I have listed at number two. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. Well, let me get my Psalms questions out from Psalm eighteen through Psalm twenty-two. You know, John is holding up a sign that says, "Great minds think a lot." I'm rather reluctant to say this, but that indicates that also ungreat minds think alike. <laughs> That's true too. Right? <laughs> well, we won't think about that. Uh, all right, let's go to the Psalms here now. Day and night. This is a very important psalm. Uh, from Psalm 19. Day and night I speak without sound or word. Right, did you hear that? I speak without sound or word to people all over the world. Telling of God's greatness. Hmm. Who am I? Who could that be? Listen again. Day and night I speak without words, without sound, to people all over the world telling them of God's greatness. Who am I? So that's question number one. It comes from Psalm 19, verses 1 through 4. So if you can answer that question, get on the phone lines, 340-9394. That's our local line, 340. Oh, no, that's not it. Yes, it is. 9585. I gave my... <laughs> I gave our old ministry number. 340-9585. That's ah. our number. Now, I'm writing this down. Let me make sure I got this right. As I'm writing this down. All right. Is it 340-9585? That's it. Oh. Exactly, Jacob. You are... You are doing great, uh-huh. and then you can write that down in Hebrew or Greek or any language you want, and that'll be correct. Uh, those of you with an American phone, use that number. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, let me see here. Let's get another question from the Psalms. Um, here's one I want to take from Psalm 20. Nations of the world often fall and collapse because instead of trusting in God, they trust in what? Nations of the world often fall and collapse. We're talking about nations. We're talking about empires that have uh, that we've seen through human history. It says nations fall and collapse because if, instead of trusting in God, they put their confidence in what? Look in Psalm chapter 20, verse 7. And then ask yourself, are we in the 21st century America, are we doing the same thing? Are we making the same mistake? All right, you can, we can talk about that a little bit tonight. Psalm 20, verse 7. Well, those are two questions from the Psalms. Jacob's going to offer you the questions we have coming from the book of Exodus. Okay. Are we ready? Okay. Yes, we're okay. ready. With your consent, which I secured before we went on the air. All right. Um... 
I want to adapt your number 18 just a tad. You're going to change the question. Well, not change. Folks, you're going to uh, be... I'm going to adapt. Keep your eye on. He's a tricky one. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, here is the question. In chapter 32 of Exodus, that's the famous golden calf chapter. Uh-huh. Uh, my question is this. It's kind of a two-part, but it should be fairly easy. Who built the golden calf, and why did they build the golden calf? Who and why did they build a golden calf? Your answer will be in chapter 32 of Exodus. And I promise you, with us joining together, we may find a new dimension to this. Okay. Now, let me just... I'll read the question originally, and then we'll see. Oh, yeah. It says, Watch it back, yeah. <laughs> While Moses was on Mount Sinai, it says, the people lost patience and expressed their fear to Aaron, whose solution was to build what? Okay, now, don't worry. I, I'm, I'm perfectly fine. This, this brings up the thing that sometimes, really, it's the reason... It's the great blessing that you are to us on the program, and, and that even well, to us as believers. Soaping all fairness, it doesn't make me right, but no, but, no. But I am an expert in my own opinion. Of course, and that's fine. And I well, want people I to don't, hear don't this. step on the last part. Of it. I want everybody to hear. They said I'm an expert in my opinion. <laughs> that's right, and, and that's okay. That's perfectly fine. But this is we and I we. Folks, Jacob and I talk about this quite often. We, we After the program, we have conversations and before the program, and sometimes we get a chance to go out and uh, and, and get a bite together after the... Are we going to go out tonight and get a bite together? Uh, uh, if you like. I, right. I could eat pancakes. All right, all right, all right. But anyway, we, we spend time together, and we talk about the scriptures. We talk about this... Uh, the difference is as we come and approach these the same words on the same pages of paper, and, and we, we talk about it. Now, we... We Gentiles, I often say. Oh, what are you talking about? You're grafted in. Come on, you're Jewish. Okay, all right, we're Jewish. But we we don't have that that long, long tradition of understanding of the... 2,000 years is not enough? Ah, Hebrew language, Hebrew traditions, (laughs) Hebrew history. That that richness that you guys bring, when you look at the scriptures, you read them and see them and, and experience them through that grid, which we don't share. We don't have. All we do is reread the words on the page, and we pretty much take them, hey, that's what it says, that that's what happened, this seems to be... Now, I don't think there's any particular problem with that, and you've never really given... You understand that as well, uh, as long as we are willing to understand you know these these are translations they come to us through several languages and through different periods of time and cultural understandings and so on and uh usually though i think if you read it just as it's written it's you're safe i mean it's it's actually really clear very consistent but it is so enriching when you help us scratch a little under the surface and go back to the original languages and, and some of the great tradition and understanding of these scriptures, it really well, you know, does help you us. You know, the, of course, the original was written in Hebrew, of course. Yes, and, I, I'm and, guessing. And I have it on reasonably good authority that God spoke Hebrew. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll go with that. I, well, I know, that. I know. Yes. But that's uh, the reason yeah. for that is, you know, when it says in the beginning of Genesis, God spoke the world into existence. In order to speak, he had to have words. But before he had words, he had to have an alphabet. So when you teach little Jewish children about the Bible, and, like, and this is a, a child way of approaching it, 
But you teach them that God had to have these letters created before entering into the material world. And then when he crossed over into the physical material world, he could say the words. So the letters had to be, if they're not letters, you can't have words. And then he could not have spoke. Well, I, that's where I, a little bit my kind of my, I don't know what I would say, my scientific side, uh-huh. my... My inquiring mind sort of kicks in, and I think, well, that's good. Finding good for you. I don't know well, that's, that, that's when it says God to, spoke. Yeah, that's just. A I'm way not to sure teach. what that means, uh, to well, tell you the honest truth. Well, it's just a way of teaching children how to begin yeah, to grasp. and I get it. Basically. I understand, but I'm just saying, in reality, what does it mean that the Creator of the universe, who it is not a physical body, that He spoke? I don't think it means anything less than what we mean when we say spoke. But it probably means more. It probably has more th- somehow, um, you know, we, we talked about this before with the idea of the word, you know, the word became, and the idea of the word and the expression, God expressing himself. Uh, I, I don't exactly, I can't say I really know, and, I, and I'm assuming you probably would agree that. It, I, I do agree. In, I, in the just, core of its yeah. essence, we don't really know what that means, God yeah. spoke. Well, we we don't. It's just that and he doesn't have vocal cords, you know. And well, lips and he can have anything he wants. True that. That's uh, right. The, but here, right, I am that I am. Yeah. I will be what I want to be. Popeye the sailor man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, see, the first dee, dee, letter. Dee, 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 and this dee, is the dee, only dee. language I know. Now, if there are others, I just don't know about it. But I know in the Hebrew, the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet is actually silent. But it's a letter, but it has no sound. So that is the line that the the Jews have all traditionally taught, especially the children, is that that's the line of what you might call demarcation before there's actually sound. Uh, and I find that fascinating that the alphabet sure. has a letter that doesn't have a sound. Now, that's the very we first are, letter. We are kind of wandering, and we'll come back to the reason we we're talking wandering. about this. Let's but, go back to the question. Yeah, but, but it... it I, Human speech, I have a two-year-old grandchild now, and you have a grandchild, Tavin, as well, and, and we've watched them grow and develop. Human language is the most incredible phenomenon to, to watch. Right now, my two-year-old is just babbling. He just blabbling. He just, he, just, he just can't wait to talk, and uh-huh. he's practicing, and uh, Grandpa, Papa, hi, Grandpa, hi, Grandma, Mama up, you know, all these things. Well, he's he learning. may be speaking Hebrew. I love, I, I just love to, the whole phenomenon of human speech, <laughs> this, as a child grows and develops, how does, where in the world does that come from? This idea that we can make sounds and communicate our, our thoughts, our ideas, our wishes, our fears, that we can express them. It, it, it is just astounding in human speech, using vocal cords and lips and tongue, and then, of course, learning to write them down in these symbols. It's just an astounding process uh, that really... I, I think points to a creator as well, one of those other things. Well, let's get back okay, to this yeah, question. Okay, the first question is that I'd like to, with your consent, I'd like to twinkle a bit. And say, Who built the golden calf? And why? And why? And so instead of it being, what do I, I kind of, I kind of intimate here that it's Aaron, right? Well, um, okay, well, your question was, while Moses was on Mount Sinai, the people lost patience and expressed their fear to Aaron. Whose solution was to build what? So okay. your answer is not going to be Aaron, mm, right? My solution is going to be a little different. It'll Aaron is it. not going to be the one who well, built the Well, let's not. Oh, okay. Right. Uh, but let's say this. So I would like to tweak it just a tad and say okay. in Chapter 32, 
who built the golden calf and why. Okay. We don't tweak it. We tweak it. Okay. The word is tweak. You know how I know that? Because I had to use a program called tweak.com to fix a virus on my uh, well, my wife's laptop this week. It's uh, tweak it. We're going to tweak. Okay. What else? Th- you know what? I think you're right. <laughs> I, I stand humbly corrected. You, there it is again. The brilliance, tw- folks. You're a master shine. of tweaking, and I'm correct. <laughs> the master of tweaking. Okay. Well, okay. Do you have another question besides yes, that one? Yes, I do. Now I'd like to go to this. And this is, remember I said at the beginning of the show, when you said the spiritual kind of confronts the material or physical, yes. however you said, I said, please remember that. Okay. Here it is. Your number, actually, 16 and 17 go together. Okay. But let's start off with 17. All what right. did the Sabbath day symbolize for the people of Israel? I'm back okay. What did the Sabbath day symbolize for the people of Israel? I'm going to suggest something that I'm going to, you may not be familiar with. Okay. Do we have a phone call? No, no, there's something else. Oh, we have, uh, you're going to, the question is, what did the Sabbath day symbolize for the people of Israel? You'll find the answer in Exodus chapter 31, verses 14 through 15, 340-9585. That's our phone number. So give us a call. We'll be right back. Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me, plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist. Pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to thelaptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. Well, Elizabeth and I went to Express Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to work and we had got our oil done before, it took us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't expect to receive that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor. Carpet cleaning for the 21st century. 831-3535. If you're new to San Antonio and want to find a church that fits your needs or just want to learn more about a church in the area, go to the church directory page at kslr.com. That's kslr.com.
is The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. for joining us tonight. Jacob here at my side. We are ready to take your phone calls if you have an answer, if you have a thought about one of these questions that we've asked tonight from the Psalms, uh, Psalm 19, and one question from Psalm 20, and then from uh, Exodus chapters 31, and then you asked a question from chapter 32. What was that uh, that final question you asked, Jacob? Uh, it's your number. The Sabbath day, right? Yeah, but it actually goes very well. With 16, but I'll do 17. We'll blend in 16. Okay, we'll blend it in. 17 was, what did the Sabbath day symbolize for the people of Israel? Yeah, and, and 16 answer, was, how were they to observe? How exactly. Were they to mark, so it yeah. kind of blends in there, but you'll find the answer in chapter 31, 12 through 16. Okay. What did the Sabbath, Saturday, Sabado, uh, Shabbat, yeah, Shabbat, right? Shabbat. Uh-huh. Shabbat. What did that day symbolize? And, of course, over the centuries now, centuries and centuries and centuries, uh, Jewish people have observed that seventh day. Uh, does Shabbat mean seven? Uh, it, uh, Shabbat, uh, well, it's become to be like Saturday, but it means like day of rest. You know, Shabbat. The, the, day, the, na- the word itself means day of rest? Yes, uh, the seventh, the okay. seventh day. Of or seventh day, okay. So anyway, what did the Sabbath day symbolize? Do you have another question or not? Well, uh, uh, I do. And uh, I'll tell you what, it's a very interesting one. Uh, It's your number 25. Moses could not behold God's face. But the Lord passed by and allowed him to see what part of him. <laughs> the answer is thirty-three twenty-three, and I'm going to explain how the the Hebrew take on that's a little bit different. Well, see, this is one of those passages that I tell you about. When when I think of that, I remember. I, I don't remember the exact moment or the first time I ever read that passage, but it, you know, it talks about uh, uh, Moses says, uh, "Let me." Behold you, let me see your face or something. And God says, no one can see my face and live. But here I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock, which is a very interesting uh, image. Uh, In this breaking, this place within the rock, there was a broken place. And he says, I'm going to hide you in that cleft of the rock. Do you know that Christian believers look of that as Jesus is the rock and that we are hidden in the cleft of the rock, the broken rock. We are hidden so that we can know God and, and experience him. It's kind of a you know, remember the old uh, the old hymn, "Rock of Ages, cleft for me." And how old is that? Hymn? Let me hide myself in thee. Uh, how old is that? How old? It must be at least as old as I am. <laughs> well, would it surprise you to know that that uh, type of song actually existed prior, even before it was a Christian hymn? It wouldn't surprise me at all. Okay. How about the melody? Did you did? That's uh, new to I, that. I could not answer. Okay, all right. I like that. Um, it was one. Actually, my the mother that kind of adopted me that took me in uh, when I was a child, abandoned on the streets, and kind of a strange story. Anyway, it was one of her favorite hymns that I, uh, I remember. Just one of my vague childhood memories that I have that she liked oh, nice. that particular hymn, "Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me, Let Me Hide Myself in Thee." So we have that that picture of based on that scripture 
The question is, Moses could not behold God's face, but the Lord passed by and allowed Moses to see a part of him. Uh-huh. What, what, is, what is that part? And it's found in chapter 33 of Exodus, verse 23. What, what part of himself did God allow Moses to see? And maybe what does that mean? What is it, what is well, it significant I, I, to I us? I think it takes a different meaning from the ancient Hebrew than it does today. It might. It, I think. It might. You, I may remember some things that you've told us in the past as well, so that's uh-huh. that may be what I'm I'm thinking of. Uh, let's go look at one more. Let's have one more question. Do you have one for well, us? Or? Would you like to pick one? Yeah, let me do. I had I saw one one while ago that I liked. Okay, when Aaron was explaining his version of events to Moses. Now look, this is going to be corrected maybe by Jacob's comments about uh, the golden calf. Um. All right, Rock of Ages, 1763, a hymn by Reverend Augustus Montague, Top Lady. How about that? Uh, and that's, that's thanks to John. He is in charge of all that kind of stuff. Okay, John, thank you for that. Is that going to jive with what you were going to tell us? Do you? Uh, oh, sure. I don't care when the song is written. I just care about what the Bible says. <laughs> that's my man. That's what, well, that's what we're after here. Okay, this question comes... Um, Ooh, it, it may be. It may bump into your explanation. No, that's about okay. I the saw the question. Calf. I know what you're going to pick. Yeah. Okay, it says when Aaron was explaining his version of events to Moses. Well, oh, look, uh, this is what happened. I, I did this. What lie did he tell? Oh, ouch! Ouch! Oh, I know. I know. It, 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 mm. Which lie did he tell? Oh, well, it's it's kind of intended to get a reaction. I guess it's. Is that called hyperbole or rhetoric? I don't know. When Aaron is explaining Aaron, I don't know. his version of, of events to Moses, what lie did he tell? Now, I guess we don't really know. We don't really know for sure if it was a lie, but you see it on the paper. Right? I see it on the paper. But I, Are I, you in uh, agreement with it? I courageously and strategically passed over that question. <laughs> the Passover. You, you're just so biblical in all of your ways. Well, there you go. He passed over that question. Um, we'll come back to it, though. Okay, there, if you can answer any of these questions, Jacob knows well, the phone number. I was number. just going to say, I think we might have a call that wants to tackle our first one. Okay, but you have a, you know the phone number, don't you? I do, and I wrote it down. What, and I, what you I told you me did. was 340-9585. 340-9585. calling you can from do. out of town, the area code is 210. That's, that's if you're here in South Texas. If you're calling from out of town, it's 877-630-5757. We have a toll-free number for you. We'll pick up the charge, the long-distance charges there. If you're calling from anywhere in the continental, continental United States, maybe via the, maybe you're listening via the Internet, uh, we would love to have you give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. And if you. you're not calling from a continental but you drive a Cadillac, call anyway. Call anyway. That's right. Let's go to our phone line, and let me see if I can do this correctly and bring our first caller. He is a friend to the, to the broadcast. He's, we often hear from Harold, and we're glad to hear from him again tonight. Merry Christmas, Harold, to you and your family. Oh, thank you very much. Merry Christmas to y'all. Thank you all. a lot. Now, I, uh, yeah. is Jacob I was calling right? You're going to call in to kind of give us a kick in the seat of pants, correct us a little bit as we get started, or what's well, on your mind tonight? Well, I got a little nervous at first because the phone rang for, feels like a long time, but it's fine now. Good. Uh, but uh, the question y'all had, you know, you said, is, is Jesus the rock? 
Now, is Jesus the rock because we were taught that he's the rock? For for Moses asked God, who do I say you are? I am. So, you know, Hmm. Jesus, why is that too much? So, anyway, I didn't mean to get off on that. But I just was thinking we're taught that Jesus is the rock. And when Moses asked, who shall I say, certainly I am. Uh-huh. So, so I don't know if anybody asked Jesus. Who is the first watch. imagery of Jesus? <laughs> I didn't mean to get on that. Make, no, that's all right. I'm glad you asked. This is it comes from the Bible. That's what we want to talk about. Where yeah. is the first instance of, of Messiah being presented as a rock? Do you know? Well, no, and I didn't really want you know that kind of uh, removing what I was just saying because I don't know where that is. So what's more important is what I had asked. No, I'm trying to sound like Jacob at this time. Okay, but uh, Jacob, do you remember? As, uh, maybe someone else would remember. Uh, is there? Okay, uh, is I, I'm thinking of. Remember the visions of Daniel when all oh, yeah. the kingdoms. Uh, uh, remember the giant statue, and we have this imagery of you know this this uh, man. Uh, there's his son, there was bronze, there was there was gold, then there was bronze, and then it comes down to the feet were made of iron and clay. Uh, yes. And a great rock, a great stone comes and and crushes it and, and knocks. That may be the first imagery I think of that that it, we think of that being Messiah comes and, and and breaks and crushes the kingdoms of the world. You know that that sort of thing. I think that rock is understood to be an imagery of Messiah. Uh, at least in some circles, but I don't know if there are other instances in the in the Hebrew scriptures. But in the New Testament, it, it's is it Jesus that says, "I am the rock." Uh, the rock. Where do we get that 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 vision? Uh, uh, of course, we have this this picture. I don't know where that came from. The rock, the cleft in the rock. Yeah. But anyway, well, anyway, you know, I had some thoughts about Exodus. It's about four little verses because I spent most of my time on on Exodus, and I really can't explain the whole thing, but I wrote down four verses I'll read real quick. And it's not necessarily from Exodus, but I believe it kind of pertains to the to the book of Exodus. Okay. And I'll just read it real quick. Okay, and one of them is almost your, your question. Okay, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. It is day, pours out speech and night, night reveals knowledge out of the realm of the womb of night and death there came unto being a great Israel and even if it be true that I have erred my error remains with myself and uh, to me, you know, you just, I, you know, you just. I don't know what you're reading. Is that your poem or your ideas there? Or? No, that's actually uh, Psalms nineteen one and two. Exactly. And yes, and then Job uh, nineteen four. Oh, good. Okay. Yes. So that's you know I was putting this together, and the realm thing was something else, but to me it seems like it fit with my thing. That I was reading. Well, Harold, you did, maybe without even intending to, you did answer the question. Uh, it says, day and night I speak without sound or words to tell people all over the world 
uh, about God's greatness. Who am I? And the, you just read those verses. I guess it would be David, wouldn't it? Who, who is the one speaking in that psalm? Uh, well, look at David. No, 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 no. Look at the psalm itself. It says, day and night, I speak without sound or word. What? Who is the I in the uh, psalm? I, I might have a different translation. No, read it again. Just read what you, you said. Okay. The heavens declare the glory of God. That's it. That's the answer. Oh, the heavens. The heavens, declare. of course. They speak to us without sound or word. To pe- See, people all over planet Earth see the same stars in the sky, the same moon, the same sun. We, they see oh, the, the, the heavens every day, every night, telling of God's greatness and goodness. And they proclaim uh, to us about God's God's greatness. I mean, that's the witness of, of nature, the witness of uh, the created world around us. So... Um, uh, well, I don't know if you attempted or not, but you definitely answered our first question there. Well, that's that's kind of good that you know that you pointed that out to me because you know I have a habit of just reading across words and pick out the words that are interesting to me. Sometimes I miss the most important words. So <laughs> that happens. <laughs> I know. So I guess we're both getting better at it. Oh, there we go. We're growing and learning. That's that's yeah, the, that's yeah. the objective, right? Well, so is the heavens mean just the heavens, or is it supposedly? God and his people, not people, but God and his in heaven, or is it just the heavens? Because I wonder what that really meant in Hebrew. Oh, yeah, there you go, yeah. Hey, you know, you That's made, what happens to me all the time. You people tell me, me what I didn't want to in Hebrew. You made me see something else here, too. Look at Psalm 18. 18 what? 18, uh, it's on verse 46. Psalm 18, verse 46 we were talking a little bit about the idea of the rock appearing in the scriptures. Oh, there it is, right there. The Lord lives, praise to my rock. May the God of my salvation be exalted. Uh, we were talking about this imagery of God being uh, presented mm-hmm. to us, the imagery of, of a rock, you know, of what does that mean and so on. And we know that in the New Testament, we do have several places where that's understood to be the Messiah himself, the rock. Um, right, and that's the that's the thing we have in Christianity. We have to have this image of something, I guess. And you know, back in the Moses days, you know, he couldn't look at him. You know, I mean, look at whatever was there. He yeah. couldn't, you know, the shadow and all that, and take his sandals off. And so, um, I guess I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's all right. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but I was thinking, you know. Um, that's about all I got to say. I don't know if you got some more, more scholars or not. No, that's good. You brought up a very, very legitimate, a very uh, important theme to us is that us as human beings, and we talked about this, God stepping in, the eternal creator himself stepping into time and space and somehow becoming, uh, we as human beings, can, and we're using our five senses, we can experience God at some measure, in some way, because he stepped into our world. And and uh, that's what we're talking a little bit about this season of the year is, how does that happen? How is it this idea that, that God, the Word, becomes flesh and dwells among us, and we experience and see God and know God? And uh, remember Thomas said, show us God. We, And he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, the Messiah said. It's, it, it's a really, uh, it's a... A very mysterious and a very inc- just a, an amazing line of thought 
How did God step into our world and reveal himself, and more than that, carry out a work of redemption? And a lot of that had to do with him becoming a man so that he could be our mediator, our representative in solving the problem of the sin of sin in our lives and, and forgiveness. And it's all wrapped up in redemption, the redemptive, um, the redemptive story as it rolls out from the Scriptures. Well, thank you, Harold, for calling. I'm glad you give us a call. And you can do that, folks, as well, 340-9585. That's our phone uh, number, 340-9585. Again, if you're dialing long distance, 877 630 Five seven five seven. But hopefully you'll get on the phone lines as well. We'd like to hear your thoughts. Uh, Jacob, do you want to go to um, that passage in in uh, Exodus and talk a little bit, chapter 32 of the book of Exodus, and talk to us a little bit about who uh, built the golden calf? We've got a little time, and as long as there's no one on the phone right now, and folks, if you'd like to give us a call, you can call and answer any of our questions or maybe come up with your own uh, observations or your own questions or your own thoughts. We'd love to hear from you about the Bible, all the themes of the Bible, this this book that we think comes from God himself, that he uh, has given to us a book to read, uh, stories to read and tell and learn because they reveal to us something about him, something about ourselves, and something about that redemptive plan, how that we can be reconciled to a holy, righteous God. Uh, become part of the people of God, part of Israel in that sense. So give us a call if you have any kind of a comment or thought or question, or if you want to answer our questions, 340-9585. Now to Jacob. How about it, Jacob? Can you take this moment? I was kind of hoping somebody would call. So if anybody's out there that wants to call and ask about 32 and answer who and why, who built the calf and why. Who built the golden calf? Now, is it is our... Kind of obvious answer, if you just kind of read any kind of an English-speaking Bible, is our obvious answer of, of, uh, of Aaron just kind of wrong? Well, let, let's say this. Okay. Let's be adventurous and actually look at the text. Oh, <laughs> what a solution. What an idea. Okay, I'll do that. Um, but here's an interesting thing. First of all, I want to point out that, uh, and I think, I think you would probably agree with me that most common understanding or teaching is that while Moses was up on the mountain, the people at the bottom of the mountain were making a golden calf, evidently. And it's generally, I think you'd agree, it's generally said that it has it was Israel, the the Jews. But that's actually, when we look close, that's not what it says. Well, look right here in the opening verse. It says, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, Sinai, because Moses had gone up on the mountain, called by God to go up, they gathered around Aaron and said, come on, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who ah, brought right us there. The, who brought us here from the land of Egypt. No, listen to that. Okay. The, before that, you said... Make us a God or gods, because we do not know what happened to Moses. Okay. The gold, these people are not ever lost their faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You'll say, Vav, hey, shall we say? Uh-huh. They never lost their faith in that. They were making a golden calf to replace Moses. And it's exactly what you just read. It's make for us a God. Because we don't know what happened to this man Moses. 
It was to replace Moses. Why? Because they had the concept they had to have an intermediary, a person to deal with God. They didn't understand that Moses was just a man, that he may have been in touch with God, but they didn't need him. They could have done it. That's a very, very, very interesting concept because a lot of people today think, well, I have to have an intermediary. I have to, I have, to have a priest. I have to have a pastor. I have to have, you know, I, sometimes I, I, I'm amazed at the phone calls I get. Would you come and pray for this? And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, you know, you have access to the throne of God. You could pray for this. And I don't mind. I definitely don't mind going and praying with people and for people and so on. But I'm often wanting to remind people that the whole... You don't need me. You can go to God as well. Well, So it's an interesting thing. Well, and it does say that because it says, make us this calf, Uh this God, gods, because we do not know what happened to him. Now. I see that. If you look down. So the Jewish concept is it has never been to replace God. In fact, nobody in chapter 32 through 34, nobody was thinking about replacing the God that brought did all the plagues, the miracles, the signs, etc. Brought him out of Egypt. Nobody was thinking that. Now, let me prove it to you. Uh, so it says, the entire people removed the gold rings, etc., etc., and they brought them to Aaron. Look at, vor- look at verse 4. Uh-huh. He took them from his hands. He bound them in a cloth, fastened them to a calf. They said... Now listen closely to what uh-huh. the people said. It says, Here is your God, O Israel. Are the Jews talking to themselves? The answer is no. This is what's called in the Hebrew or in English, you'd call it the mixed multitude. But it's the people that Moses chose to take with the Jews, the other people. The mixed uh-huh. multitude uh-huh. is making the calf. The riffraff. Well, <laughs> the, let's, let's, uh, let's say, let, let's go ahead and talk. It, it, it's, it's the Egyptians, some of the Egyptian people that came out with them, some of, from other nations and people groups. Okay. So it, you're saying that it, they are the ones that are saying, oh, Israel, okay. these are the gods that brought you yes. out of Egypt. Now, let's proceed for just a second. Okay. And we'll go and catch the call from oh, Robert. All right. Just one second. Hang with us, Robert. Okay. So it says, this is your God, Israel. Well, see, they didn't. And now I want you to look at the very next verse. Look at verse 5. Aaron saw and built the altar before him. So he built the altar. Uh Aaron called out and said, A festival for God. And in Hebrew it's using yud Hey vav Hey, the actual Hebrew name for God. There will be a festival for God tomorrow. Well, it's clear they didn't abandon God. They never said, Oh, we give up on that God. They're instead, they're wanting an intermediary, a leader, somebody that can go between them and God and correct everything and, and teach them right from wrong, the whole business. They thought they needed that. Okay, so the next morning, people got up uh-huh. to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings, uh, according uh-huh. to the instructions they'd already received, uh, worshiping the true and living God. And then it says they, they cele- after that, they celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry. Okay, but let's, let's tell be, us about uh, that. Well, before I did, I think it's important we understand what's really going. Because look, when, okay, let's go back down. And uh, what happens is uh, Moses, uh, when he comes down, let me see. Let me find the verse. Uh, okay, where am I at? Uh, you tell me when we want to break away and bring Robert on as well. Cause well, I'll tell you what. Let's go bring Robert on because uh, well. Uh, 
It comes over to, actually, I'll, I'll tell you this. Chapter 22 of 32. It oh, says, he's not there anymore. He's gone. I was just fixing to hit his button. Oh. All right, we'll have to. Robert, if you can call us back, yeah. we'll be glad to hear from you. Yeah, Robert, I apologize. Please call back. <clears throat> Go for it. Okay, Jackson. well, 32, 22. Okay. Aaron said, "Let not now Moses has come down. Uh-huh. He's talking to Aaron. And he says, in 22, he asked Aaron, what did you do? Aaron said, let not my master be angry or his anger flare up at me. You know that the people is disposed towards evil. What people is he referring to? And then it goes on in 23, and let's look very close. What you yourself know how evil these people are, uh-huh. he says. Well, okay. Now look at 23, and it says, they said to me, now listen to what Aaron says, exactly uh-huh. what it says back in the beginning of 32. Uh-huh. Make us a God that will go before us. For this man Moses brought us up out of the land of Egypt. We do not know what became of him. Now, what he's doing, he's, he's explaining. He says, I, I, these people wanted a God. It, to, to, they didn't, we had a festival to, to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God. But they wanted a leader to replace you because they didn't know what happened to you. So the calf was meant to become a leader. They thought they needed a leader. Well, then what happens, it's fascinating. And what's really being suggested here is that the people that came with the Jews, the what we call the mixed multitude in English, okay. are the ones that are saying, hey, you know, we know all about, we got to have a leader because, look, Moses is the one that did the miracles and the plagues, and he did all this. We've never been able to do that. So the guy that does the miracles, that's the guy that we need to be our intermediary. And they thought, well, we'll get a, a God that we make to do that because we've got to have somebody take Moses' place. Well, what's really fascinating is uh, Moses says, you don't need that. All you needed to do was, first of all, wait. And the first line of 32.1 says, when Moses delayed, the Jews understand, the scholars, the sages understand that this is only a very short period of time. They, instead of thinking that they should, they, uh, it's not a couple of weeks, it's like less than a day maybe. Actually, the, the Hebrew is that they miscounted one day. But so what happens is, here, they come down. Now, what's fascinating is this. We know that shortly, there will be a opportunity for people to choose when Moses comes down, breaks the tablets, etc. We know that he comes down, he says, okay, everybody for the God, walk across this line, you might say, sort of like the Alamo. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, some people do not. Well, if you look real closely, the only people that's not the mixed multitude that get killed, it is one half of one percent of the Jews. But the question is, why the Jews, if they weren't going along making the calf? Because their wrong was they went along with others and capitulated to help build the calf. They, they compromised their They breached their yeah. covenant. They, they compromised their commitment to the true and living God. Very, well, very interesting. Uh, yeah. Ten seconds. Let me get us out of here. 340-9585. 340-9585. Give us a call. We'll be right back.
is The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Yes, joy of man's desire, one of the great, great Christmas carols. We are trying to place and get us all in the mood and kind of get us ready for the great season of Christmas as we approach it now, December 25th. So um, thank you, John, for putting that Christmas music in the rotation this evening. We appreciate that a lot. Okay, we're looking at the book of Exodus. Jacob is giving us uh, this, I, I don't want to say alternative explanation, because I think all of us, when we read it, we see that there's something going on here. And we do recognize that there are uh, other nationalities and people groups that came out of Egypt with the people of Israel. And, and somehow you're saying to us that that got mixed up in this <coughs> in this event of the golden calf, that that became a part of the narrative, that they got involved, that they were looking for a leader because Moses had gone up on the mountain. He hadn't come back. They were impatient. And I was telling you in the break, is it sounds a little bit like Jacob. It's kind of a, in a way, it sounds like a little bit of a way to try to kind of um, take away the culpability or the, that well, Israel people of Israel didn't have anything to do with this, and I'm and I'm, I kind of agree that it wasn't as widespread. It wasn't like the whole nation got wiped out. Well, here's what I'm going to suggest: is that the Jews were more wrong in this than the mixed multitude. And so the Jews are more culpable. Because they knew more, they understood more. They had the covenant. The mixed multitude, in fact, when the Levites, uh, they tell so many people are killed. But the truth is, it's less than one half of one percent that was of the people at that time. Right, yes. So, but it's only the Jews. I think that does come. Not the mixed multitude, because the mixed multitude is not being held up that standard. At that point... They, we're only talking less less than three months out of Israel, out uh-huh. of Egypt. These people had not made a covenant, but they had their idea of how to get to God, how to worship Him. They needed this idol to lead them. The Jews should have known better. The reason that it's one half of one percent of only Jews that ended up getting killed is because they did know better. So they are more culpable because they said, "You shall have no other gods before me." The Jews knew better. And so they did get a stiffer sentence, you might say, because they were more culpable. It's just like you and I. If I, if you know more than I do, that's yeah. different. I might be negligent, yeah. but you've done it intentionally. Well, I think it is one of the great principles of the Scriptures in general is that uh, each person is responsible only for the light of revelation and understanding that God has given him. In other words, if if, in ter- if you count zero to ten is the the light of revelation, if you have received, uh, let's say, up to a six or seven, you're responsible for what God has shown you of himself up to a six or seven. If I only have a, from a, a two, poor little Apache Indian living here on in the New World, and no one's ever told us about Jesus, if I only, Jesus or anything, all I have is the the witness of the sun, the moon, the stars, the seasons, and nature around me, and the and human nature within me, my longings for immortality, for goodness and righteousness. If well, all I have is what we call general revelation, then I'm only responsible to, for that, right? Is I that agree. the idea? That's the idea. So they, the big sin of the Jews was capitulating. And as you've been pointing out, Aaron went along with it. He said, well, they said they wanted to do this. Instead of Aaron standing up and saying, no, we don't do this. 
He capitulated. He was trying to be politically politically correct. He went along with it. <laughs> now look at verse 7, and we're going to help resolve this issue. Okay. Verse 7 reads, and I've got to read it. Mine comes from the Hebrew, so I don't. You, you know. want me to get it? I, yeah, please, please. The Lord, uh, it's the one where Lord, the Lord talks to Moses, right? Uh-huh. He says, quick, Moses, go down the mountain. Your people. Ah, and, stop right there. Your people. people? Your people? That's to make the clear understanding that your people are these other folks you brought with them. Your people whom you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. How quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. They have melted down gold and made a calf, and they have bowed down and sacrificed to it. They are saying, these are your gods, O Israel, ah, who brought see, you out of the land of Egypt. They're talking to Israel. Israel's not talking to itself. That'd be like me saying, Jacob, are you dumb Jacob or what? So, And I would have to answer, yes, I am. Thanks for asking. But what this is saying, it says... Your people came out and they said they made the melted gold down, made a calf, and said, Oh, here's your God, Israel. Now, they're not as held accountable as the Jews because the Jews knew better. But in the very next statement, Jacob, then the Lord said, He, he, he says, it seems to state here, that He's going to destroy all of this people, essentially Israel. I've seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone so my fierce anger can blaze against them, and I will destroy them, and I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. Uh-huh. And then Moses pacifies the Lord. He, he intercedes in prayer. He pacifies the Lord. That's cute. He, he, he intercedes for the people and says, uh, you know, don't do this, Lord. There are people watching, and what would they think? You, your name will be uh, disgraced, and so on and so on. Because there is this passage. Did you see that? passage somewhere and it says that the people around them were watching them and it said they would laugh at them uh the people that are watching you your name would be dishonored from the watching there are people watching the people of israel out in the desert there um i i i I hope i can find that i was just looking at it while ago um the people were laughing at them around that there comes a few verses after what you just read okay uh, so why let the Egyptians say their God rescued them with the evil intention of slaughtering them in the mountains? In other words, um, so it says in verse 14, So the Lord changed his mind about the terrible disaster he had threatened to bring on his people. And Moses turned and went down the mountain. And we see then the solution. He brings uh, the stone tablets and the Ten Commandments. Well, let's go. Let's let's take a look at verse 10. Okay. What you read, read over a moment ago. And now... God is saying, stand aside or desist from me, Moses. Let my anger ra- rage against them. I'll annihilate them. Does God really have to have Moses stand aside in order to annihilate them? Of course not. Something's going on here. He's God talking. is maybe even teaching Moses something, right? He's, he's testing Moses to see if you're the right man uh-huh. to lead these people. Because certainly Aaron capitulated. He was politically correct. So Aaron, and then and Moses says, no, 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 I, I'm on your side. And so it goes on. When he says that, he says, look, you guys, the, the people that were brought out that were under the covenant, they're more responsible. That's why. Because they're more responsible. They knew better. Uh-huh. This new group, they're just learning. Okay. No, I get it. I get the picture you're taking. And it's, it is slightly different. It's, it's a deeper kind of a more personalized from the Hebrew perspective, a version of, of, in other words, you're going a little deeper into the incident than than we do normally. We just read the thing on the surface here, and we go, well, well this I, happened, that may, happened. May I suggest one thing? 
And, and I have noticed this. Now, this is just my take on this. But I have noticed that in a very real sense, if I tell you that every time you read a book and you see the words, oh, I don't know, let's say Australia and a Korea and a Russian, everything bad, it, it'll be those guys. So if I teach that, then I have taught you that every time you see something negative, it's the Jew. Well, that's not really what's, it doesn't go on in the okay. New Testament. All it's right. not going on here. But if that's what I'm always thinking when I see it, then I may automatically attribute it to that. Kind of reminds me of the uh, if you grew up during the Cold War between yeah. you know the Soviet former Soviet uh, Empire and, and the and the United States. All, all the movies of that era, the sure. bad guys were always yeah. these Russians, these yeah. Russian spies or these Russian people. And so we, or maybe if you go back further than that, it was the Germans, you know, those, yeah. the Germans that did this and that and the other. And now I guess um, the movies are, they create the, the hero or they create the villain. And you're saying that we need to be careful of that when we're looking at the scriptures uh, and, and dig to see what is what actually God is genuinely saying. I I get it. And I, I and I think it's a legitimate concern and and uh and I can well I, I so can see your but you you kind of get to our since we don't have all that background you're talking well, about. The truth is, if we just read, read the story and we go, "Huh, this uh, is and uh, and I certainly <clears throat> agree. But well, let me suggest this that it clearly says if I'm talking to Soapy, I'm going to say, "Hey, Soapy, this is your God." Okay? Now they're saying, here Israel is your God. Now, when they left Egypt, well, this is less than 50 days. We're right about 50 days. Yeah. So what happened is when they left Egypt, they are clearly distinguished as the mixed multitude. But after Moses goes up, gets the second set of commandments. By the way, the day he gets a second set of commandments, you, do you know what day that is in Hebrew history? Uh, let me yes, see. Yes, you do. I yes, do. you do. The day he gets the second set. Uh-huh. Uh, let's call that, uh, it wouldn't be Passover. No. It would be, it, could it be Yom Kippur? It is. Oh, how about and that? what is the meaning of Yom Kippur? <clears throat> Repentance. Uh, uh, day atonement. Uh-huh. A day of atonement. So, yeah. that is the symbol that that's when God, when he got the commandments again and gave a second chance for everybody, the Jews and the so-called mixed multitude, to repent and atone. Now God forgave them. They got to start again. Now, when they left Egypt, they were certainly distinguished to the Jews, the mixed multitude. That's chapter 12 of Exodus. But after they got the second one, after Yom Kippur, after they recommitted themselves and God forgave them, let them have this day of atonement, uh-huh. then they go on, as we know, eventually they get to Israel. But when they get to Israel, they are no longer, they're never mentioned again as a mixed multitude. Why? Because they're all now part of Israel. In fact, when the land assignments are given up, there's no land designation of mixed multitude. That's because they're all fully 100% part of Israel. May I use the term, grafted in? And that, you're saying, I was going to ask the question, is that maybe an imagery of those of us who have come to faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through the witness of... Uh you know, I would say, scriptures in and my humble opinion, 100%. It's a picture of that, huh? Yes, I think so. So we're the mixed... 
<laughs> so, but listen. Look at the big multitude. Okay, well, cool. But listen, I, I, I think but it's who hell, wouldn't be? wonderful, yeah. If you go find some uh, aborigines on some island in the Philippines, they don't know anything about what you're talking about. No, yeah. But so there'll have to be some influence, and if you're trying to get along, you might try to build a little bit of their religion into yours to make it palatable and understandable. Yeah. yeah. And somewhere along the line, who will be held accountable for doing the wrong thing? If you capitulate to them, you know better. They don't. They're learning. Yeah, that's very interesting to me. Uh, uh, a lifetime on the mission field, going to India, going to Mongolia, going to people groups who perhaps many times have never heard about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They don't have a Bible in their language. They don't know about Messiah, the redemptive plan of God. And it is fascinating to me. I was just talking to uh, some of the uh, airmen, the basic trainees out at Lackland Air Force Base this morning, Jacob. As you know, we work with them out there in their religious education program and uh, just hundreds of uh, even thousands, uh, almost 75,000 attended our classes this last year. And then this in 2015. That's, that's, that's incredible. But we talked a little bit about this whole idea of, uh, uh, of, of learning. I told them the story of going to Mongolia and people there who had never heard of God. And there was this one leader that said, all my life I've sought for God. And he had just seen the Jesus film, uh, the life of Jesus, the Messiah from the Gospel of Luke. In, in, in Mongolian, in his own language, Jesus speaking Mongolian, it's a wonderful thing to see. It almost brings tears to you eyes to, to, to see, and the people are just so, it's just amazing to them. And he said, I, I've always looked, he said, all my life I've searched for, for God. And he waved his hand over the, the beautiful Mongolian night sky, the stars in the sky, and he said, all my life I've searched for God. Tonight I finally met him and learned that his name is Jesus. And I thought, Wow. That's just, it's like the book of Romans, uh, Romans chapters 1 and 2, just coming to life when when this man had already responded to the light of the message of God can, that he had received. Can I take received. your example? Because that's a great example. And one step further. Exactly. Okay, I, so I what, happened, ex- what happens? Let's suppose they say, oh, I, I found God. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand what you're teaching me. He's Jesus, etc. So let's say that then... And this is not what happened, of sure. course. It's a hypothetical. Suppose then they got some gold and they made a little statue of Jesus, and they started worshiping it. Uh-huh. Now, they think they're doing okay. And then they said to you, Soapy, here is your God. And you'd say, oh, yeah. Now, if you went along with that, who's at fault in that? <laughs> yeah, you got it exactly right. That would be, and frankly, we did run into that as we began. As I went in in the early 90s to Mongolia. Mongolia had been closed to all religious influence and foreign influence in general for 70 years right. since the early 1900s. And then when the wall in Berlin came down in the late 80s that opened up a part of the world to to foreigners going in and to Christians and going in and we got to proclaim the message of, of the, the gospel and you're right it's just that there were these opening beginning responses some people like this man who had never heard of Jesus before but he says I realize now that this is the continuation I'd already seeking the true and living God the creator and now I understand more uh, that that about this God and how to come into that relationship. But we had to deal with errors. Later on, I went through... And you were strong enough and correct enough to do what you felt you should do. In our ministry and other missionary organizations went into Mongolia. that is the grievous error of the Jews in this story. Yeah. And Aaron actually says, I don't know, I threw some gold in there and a calf came out. What do I know? Yeah, that was my answer to my question about... 
Well, I won't. I won't give the answer because no, we've no, got it's okay. We'll talk. Well, we got another caller okay, on the line the here. Let's go. Let's go and visit with Mike and see if he wants to answer that question for us. Hi, Mike. Are you with us, Mike? Let me uh, make sure that I've got everything. Oh, I've got to hit the button here. There you go, Mike. You're on the line with us. Thanks Thank for calling you, in. Uh, well, um, I wanted to answer that question about um, uh, and the why, the why is uh, Saturday uh, no work was allowed. What was the purpose of Saturday? There you go. Uh, Good. I, go for it. Pardon me? Oh, um, yeah, it was for um, total dedication to God. And... Um, I, I, the reason I think that is because um, the man that was collecting firewood was condemned to death, to death. And, um, and he wasn't condemned to death for collecting firewood. He was, he was condemned to death because Saturday was for total dedication to God, and he wasn't dedicating himself to God. And, and so it seems like such a severe punishment for Soapy, may I respond? Th- that's in the, the passages that we it have read this past it week. It is, well, and good. Mike, thank you for bringing that up, because everybody I've always oh, met, uh, especially from the Christian world, they address it just that way. Now, it seems like, on the surface reading, that he was violating the Sabbath, and they got killed for it, right? Yes. Aha. Uh-huh. Now, I will tell you also, if you remember the passage... They didn't know what to do with him, so they held him overnight. By the way, that is the only time in the Bible where somebody has been held in custody, incarcerated, if you will, and it's only overnight. That's the only time because they didn't know what to do because it's actually forbidden in the Bible to incarcerate human beings. But that's another Is that akin to uh, stealing a man, maybe? Well, kind of. So here's what happens. This guy, see, it's understood in the passage of the reading. It's not just because... He was collecting firewood. That would have seemed like, as you said, a cruel, harsh punishment, disproportionate. What this is about, if you go back and if you're, I'm doing this from memory, but you can look at it. It says who his father was, who his mother was. Well, he was collecting that stuff to make an idol on the Sabbath. That's what that is supposed to be talking about. So it's not just the Sabbath. He was actually collecting it because it tells you. That's why it's telling you who the mother and father were so that you understand that the religion of the other parent was being taught to them. So that actually has to do not just with the Sabbath. The Sabbath, of course, belongs to the God. But he was also collecting that stuff to make his own little idol. But... uh, Wow. I guess so. If you worship your work, instead of work at your worship, you... You're creating an idol. That's correct. And I got one for you, Mike. Yes, sir, Jordan. Okay, hang on, everybody. We're going to go oh, for a ride. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Uh, okay. Now, in the Keep middle, your arms and legs within yeah. the cabin here. That's right. Now, Mike, and, 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 and Soap, anybody wants to dress us, even John. Okay, why? Why is it when all these chapters are going in detail and detail and detail about building the ark and the tabernacle? Why is the Sabbath addressed right in there? I'm gonna. I, I'd like to hear what your thought is, Mike. The only thing I can think of is, um, you could not work on building the ark on the Sabbath. You had to stop what you're doing and dedicate yourself to worship, work at your worship instead of 
worship your work. Well, that's an interesting let's, concept. Let's, I hadn't thought of that because uh-huh. they might be tempted to work on the tabernacle well, let's, let's get something, seven days a week. Yeah, let's clear this up right now real quick. The only work that's prohibited for a Jew on the Sabbath is the particular kind of work that was done to build the tabernacle. Other work's not. It's just a particular things, because that's what he's saying has to stop. So it's the carrying and the building and that kind of stuff. But let's go back. Let me present this. My, that's a pretty fat statement you just made there. It, it's, it's, uh, it's historically correct. Okay. But, but here's what I want to say. Mike, are you there? Yes, sir. All here. Here's the deal, Mike. Let's yes, suppose that you attend a church. And let's suppose... There was no God. There was no day of worship. There was no Sunday, because I, I believe you're a Christian, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. Let's suppose none of that was there. Would that church be complete? It'd be missing something, wouldn't it? You see, what we're thinking of physically is we're thinking that it had to be the rocks and the boards and the roof. There's something that has to be built into the place of worship that makes it complete. And that is the Sabbath. If it's not built in as part of the thing, it's, a, it's, it's more important, but it's just like one of the elements of being a roof, the foundation, the chairs. It has to be for that. That is one of the elements of building a place of worship is the Sabbath. Because on the Sabbath, who do you worship? You worship God. So you can't have a church for the Christian world without Sunday being a day to worship. So, so what you're saying is, apart from just a, a building, uh-huh. a meeting place, yes. and, and people, yes. the people who want to, there would need to be a time of regular gathering? Is yeah. that what you mean? So that's why this there is had to right, be a time, a schedule. That's why right? this occurs right in the middle of. But you take this foot, you put these sockets, you put these timbers, you build these curtains, and you build the Sabbath right into it. Okay, and on this day uh, is when we gather. Now, of course, there were offerings offered every day, right? The daily morning offerings uh, that were offered up at the tabernacle. Uh, so it wasn't just used. I mean, people came to the tabernacle to worship and to give offerings. Yes, and so on. that's well, seven days a yes, week. yes, and no. But that's going beyond the four corners of the text here. Okay, the four corners of the text tells us that you got to have these sockets, these curtains, this altar, these, uh, this, uh, uh, the curtain. Mm-hmm. You've got to have the Sabbath. It gives us the elements that require the building of the building. It doesn't say anything about the other days. Yes, to answer your question, certainly. But that's not in the text here. This is the day that the Lord has made, you might say, and it's actually an element (laughs) of the place you worship. All right. I I, I get it. I don't guess I I have any particular uh, problem with that. Uh, uh, Do you get, Mike, sometimes as believers, as as, uh, New Testament kind of coming in, we're coming out kind of a little bit out of left field as Gentiles, and sometimes I, I really love hearing that, that perspective, that, but sometimes I, I do have to grapple with it a while in my mind to kind of fit it into kind of what I, my understanding of the text as it is. Do you do you go sometimes through the same process, or am I alone? In oh, that? I, I I love the Jews. I, I love Jacob. I'm so glad you two are together. It's magic to have you two together. I'm thinking this uh, God's scheduled logistics and, and scheduling right into the process. That's yeah. what I'm thinking. 
Schedule well, is important. If it doesn't make it into your schedule, oh, it's not a priority. Right. And if, you right? look at, if, if I say you must have all these elements, and I list them A, B, C, D, and one of them is the Sabbath, then that's one of the days that makes it. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to suggest that over in the New Testament, I know we don't want to get sidetracked, but Jesus has this conversation. And as I read it in the New Testament, he's saying, hey, the Sabbath is part of this, and if you're not keeping it, you haven't got a place of worship. Oh, wow. Okay, thanks. <laughs> so, um, can, can I just ask this question? Sure, Mike. Um, well, um, I, mean, I, I love the Jews, and, and I, I love you, Jacob, and, and Soapy is so terrific. Um, and, and I love you together. Well, could I, could I be Jewish? Could I be a Jew if I, if I firmly believe that, that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice and, and thinking that once he sacrificed, he spilled his blood. Without the spilling of blood, there's no remission of sin. If I believe that Jesus was the last and perfect sacrifice, and I didn't believe in, uh, and I don't, I don't believe, I didn't, I don't believe in the necessity of of the animal sacrifices coming back. Could I still be a Jew, or would I have, would I have to you know, participate in animal sacrifices still? Interesting question. How much time do we have, Soapy? Not very much here. Okay. We're just well, coming down. So uh, I'm going to be honest with go you. Go straight to the point. Yeah, straight to the point. Uh, the truth is, in the Jewish world, uh, it's, oh, the music has started. Look, go ahead, I'm going to go tell ahead. you something. It's going to be, uh, I would love to deal with that question. Perhaps if you could call back next week, I'll tell you the whole story. I'll answer everything. But generally, uh, in the idea of sacrificing a living creature other than an animal, a human being, in other words, would not be compatible. Oh, the animal sacrifice is no longer compatible with what? No, I said a human being. Or a human being. Okay. Hey, that's all the time we have. We'll come back to the topic next week. Join us then. And it's brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.